Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. Join Chris and Drew, two self-proclaimed booze pundits with a lifetime of industry experience as they walk you through the alcohol business and how today's headlines affect the industry. Each week, you guys will be joined by a special guest that will help them break down these stories and offer their own expertise to the podcast. So, pour yourself a glass of your favorite drink and sit back. This is the Good Bottle Podcast. Baba booey, baba booey, baba booey. I am your host. Am I? I'm your host, Chris and Claire, joined by my co-host, Mr. Drew Garrison. We are back. Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. How you doing, guy? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited excited to be back in the chair. Excited to be talking to you and to our guest tonight and to all of our lovely listeners who missed us so much last week when we just decided to spend time with our families and go trick-or-treating. Terrible. Did you go trick-or-treating? We did. We did. Yeah. Um, you know, my neighborhood, we were a little unsure of how it was going to go because it's a much older neighborhood. Uh, not not a tremendous amount of other little kids there. And it's also um, lots of hills. Lots of hills you, up in the Sierra do, Foothills. You do live in the hills. Yeah. And so um, the benefit of that is everybody was really excited to see my daughter dressed up. And then because they don't get trick-or-treaters very often. And then two the hills tired her out and everybody else out much quicker. So we were kind of able just to get it done relatively quickly, which was nice. Like one block, two blocks. Like, um, I think it would, it's fair to say like once one street, I don't even know if it would count as a block. Um, but it was, it was good. Did, did you guys go out? Did, uh, we did, did a, her- we did a trunk or treat type of thing. Um, but, uh, our sous chef, at bodega her uh who's uh my like backyard neighbor uh we learned that her mom uh put uh put together a little like um special special like uh trick-or-treating sacks for um for my child and for Raphael's children um which none of us knew at the time um and apparently like we we don't get trick-or-treaters on my block but um on on their block i guess they get a ton of them which is literally like right behind my house and I, we had no idea i've lived here for like 10 years and i had no idea that like one block over trick-or-treating was a real thing and on my block it sucks it's just you know so shady streets you got to be careful like yeah. we hear that sinclair guy lives over there we're not going That's down right. that street that and everybody runs it's real <laughs> real well, terrifying so so obviously we're both dads and our guest tonight is a dad. So that was the obvious connection. But uh, the other thing that I wanted to, that I wanted to bring up about tonight's guest is that, you know, this many seasons in and with as many guests as we've had, we've had a lot of really great ones. Um, I think we're up somewhere in the 50, 60 different guests over the last few years and had a lot of really great conversations, but I will say about tonight's guest who is a repeat. This is his second time on the show. This guest has probably influenced my life in more in in one way significantly like more than anybody else and this is terrifying to me why it, because this guest on his dope follows decided to tell me about the rewatchables which is a mm, podcast mm-hmm. that bill simmons does that where they cover old movies and that was, you know, a couple of years ago when he came on. I I listened to that podcast religiously every single week. 
even if movies I haven't seen. I go into the back catalog and I listen to other movies that I missed when it was pre me knowing about this podcast. And it is, and it, what it's then done is it's also expanded me into other podcasts from that network because I get served all their ads. So this person is pretty much responsible for most of my podcast listening at this point. Um, so our guest tonight, Mr. John Lilly, you are back. What's, I mean, are you going to change my life again? Is this just like the <laughs> impossible standard set? I mean, what are we going to do here? It's a tall order for me to change your life twice in two years. Um, just turn first it back. Off, just turn it back to what it was. <laughs> super happy to be back. Uh, I think for the last like year, I think it's been almost two years. I think for the last year, I've just jokingly messaged either one of you individually like, oh, I'm ready to be on your podcast again. Um, over and over again. And then finally, when Chris was like, or, or maybe it was you, Drew, and you were like, you should come back on. I was like, yeah, I don't know. Not sure. <laughs> I mean, you. so you, you know, basically we're like, okay, so we need to do a rewatchable style episode. Um, but we didn't want to completely tread on that short, on that show format. So, like, um, so we are going to talk about movies today. It is going to be a little bit different than our normal kind of go-to with top stories and things like that. Don't worry. We're still going to do the Dope Follows because obviously John changes lives with Dope Follows. Um, but we, we are going to get to that in a bit now, you know, it was two years ago, uh, you have continued to work for, for Southern wine spirits. You also, um, moonlight as the sausage King of, of Napa. And I'm just, I'm wondering <laughs> what else is going on in your life, man? How have things changed? So yeah, since, uh, we talked last, um, a lot has changed. Um, First and foremost, we had a baby. Uh, he is, uh, what, 13 months now. So I think actually I just found out that we were having a baby about less than a week before we did the show. I just had found out. Um, secondly, um, you know, a big one, like you already mentioned, uh, I got a new job. Um, I started working for a small family-owned uh, distributor in uh, the U.S. Um, I took a the, job with Southern Wine the smallest. Um, next month will be a year that I've been with Southern. Um, and that's been wonderful and amazing and crazy and, and a lot of work. Um, and then third, since then, uh, I've stopped drinking. I stopped drinking alcohol. Uh, that'll be two years in February. Actually, shortly after our podcast, I stopped drinking. Um, Were we the reason? That's also... No, I think my son was the reason. But also, I just, you know, I wanted to take a break. Uh, it was, you know, I obviously in this business, right? And you and all three of us know people who, who don't drink in this business. There's not a ton of them, but there's a lot more than people probably assume. Um, I just, I don't know. I took a break. I, I wanted to see what that was like. Um, it's made everything in my life better. Uh, you know, people always ask, they're like, hey, you know, well, what's going on? Like, why, you know, and I'm like, Hey, I always say, I'm like, I'm not in a program. Not there's anything wrong with those, but that's not what I'm doing. <laughs> um, I'm not answering to a higher power. Not there's anything wrong with that, but that's not what I'm doing. Um, I'm just not drinking and I taste stuff still. I appreciate booze still. I still have uh, a ton of vintage spirits surrounding every aspect of my entire life that I don't drink. Uh, my wife hates the fact that they're here. Um, but yeah, those are three big changes in the last two years. And 
all three of them, uh, you know, all three of them playing off one another, a cause and effect of one another. And they've all been pretty amazing. So, so yeah, super, super crazy to think that in like two years ago, I was working, you know, at JJ Fister and now I'm at Southern and yeah, it's been crazy. So when you're talking to people about, you know, no longer drinking and things like that, it, do you find that it's people outside the industry that are more concerned about why you made that decision? Or is it within the industry that they're kind of like, I don't get it and things like that? Because I know I've had my impression over the years, but. I think it, I think it's both. I mean, I, you know, I think the the one, I think it makes it, I wouldn't say it maybe makes people uncomfortable, but I think it catches people off guard. I think it surprises lots of people. We were just at an event on Saturday um, and someone was like, so you don't drink at all? Like they didn't really get it. And I was like, yeah, I, I just don't. I mean, I still taste things, like I said, but it's like, I just don't, I just don't drink anymore. You know, and I used to drink, uh, you know, sometimes more than others. Let's just put it that way. Um, but I also, you know, sometimes you get tired of it, but um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I did say to that, I said this to Andy Donald. Andy asked me uh, when, when he first started working at JJ Fister when I was still there, he's like, is it going to make you uncomfortable if I drink around you? And I said, it's going to make me uncomfortable if you don't Yeah, like, that's what's going to make me uncomfortable. Don't change anything you're doing. You know, just cause I made a change in my life doesn't mean you should make a change in yours. You know, are there times that I miss it? Not really. I mean, they're, you know, I don't know. It's, it's something that I think outside of the industry, people probably think it's impossible. And then I think inside the industry, there are still some people that think it's probably impossible to not drink at all, but it's possible. And like I said, I think all of us know people, um, you know, that, that don't indulge, uh, that do what, what we do for sure. Yeah. And I mean, and I think at, I mean, at a certain point too, especially when you're working in any type of portfolio, it's like, there's only so many times that you can really try it and still like really want to continue to do it. And I think you, I think it's easier to become kind of disenchanted with booze because sure. it does become, I mean, like the, I mean, the thing is, is that like, this is what you pay your bills with. This is your job. And for so many people, it's recreation. Right. And I think that's where people really tend to struggle with the, when people don't drink, you know, cause they're just kind of like, it's like, yeah, but it's for this. It's like, yeah, but when you're around it every single day and then you've been in this industry for so long, I mean, I know I, I mean, I'm not at a point where I've quit drinking, but I definitely take breaks and it's always yeah. kind of interesting to see how people react yeah. around me or it's just go like, you know, John Mulaney has like a really good bit about it where he's like, people don't know what to do around you. They're just kind of like, you know, you go to a party, like, it's like, do I, what do I serve you? Do you want a Capri Sun? You know, it's like, it's like, I'm not a child <laughs> now. It's just not <laughs> drinking. Uh, well, it probably is... says more about them, right? Like you go to a bar and you ask for like a non-alcoholic cocktail, they're going to make you a lemonade. <laughs> like they, yeah. Don't, yeah. they don't know what else to do with their hands. So, right. You know, when I, when I stopped drinking, I, I talked to Josh Harris, who's a good friend of mine. Um, you know, and it was kind of like, who's Josh basically... Harris for everyone who's not friends with him. He owns this shithole bar called Trick Dog. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. He's, he's a very he's a very good friend of mine. Um, that's a very very I, popular bar. Just for the record, it is a very like, popular like, bar on a on a worldly scale. Popular. I had a margarita there once. Um, I think I asked him, like, you know, basically, like, could I do this? He's like, yeah, you you should do it. You should just stop. Like, you can do it. And that literally was it. 
that was it. I just, I stopped. I didn't, I didn't, I have not had a drink since he and I had that conversation. Um, but what I have noticed is the amount of places I go where I can't order a non-alcoholic beer even, or like if I, I mean, I drink soda water like crazy anyway, whether I'm at home or, or working, but it's like, I try and find something like we just went to an opening of the new Morimoto Asia restaurant in downtown Napa. And I had some sort of pomegranate juice, agua faba cocktail. And I, you know, just like, I don't really want this, but they didn't have anything else. I mean, they didn't even have sparkling water. Um, and it was just Morimoto one of those things didn't where have sparkling water. Well, I mean, they did, but they, it was just, it was, I do, you know, they were, they were open. They just opened. Um, but it's one of those things where I, I, I want, I don't know. You want to still feel like you are being catered to and you want to have a nice time. I mean, I, I have some accounts that I call on on a regular basis that carry um, some non-alcoholic vermouths that we sell that I order all the time because they taste bitter and dry and like they have booze in them and I put tonic water in it and it's like, it feels like I'm having a cocktail, but you I mean, know, I'm a huge fan of the, uh, the Giffard um, uh, aperitif syrup. Mm-hmm that they make that's like a it's like a campari non-alcoholic campari it's fantastic martini and rossi makes two non-alcoholic vermouths the vibrante which is um like an like an aperol campari it's you know red dry bitter and then uh floreale which is like a chamomile almost like a blanc vermouth they're delicious they taste like they have booze in them they're but they're bitter and they're so good i love them i try and i the thing is i try and sell them to people all the time they're like what am i going to do with this you serve it to me when i come in (laughs) exactly well you know know, it's funny i think the average consumer is confused by it because their understanding of sort of technology and where the where where production stands with how these things are made is is so far removed from the reality it's just it's just decades and if not you know 100 years behind where we are you know we serve we serve uh, a wine uh, by the name of Sovi, which is like a sparkling wine. We have both a a, a rosé and a and a white wine um, that's alcohol removed. You know, they they throw it in a in a rotovape, and so they just spin it at such a high velocity and allow the alcohol to essentially just evaporate off of that wine. And so they make wine. But then they remove the alcohol from it and then just fortify it with a little bit of like citric and malic acid and it's fucking delicious. That's interesting. Yeah. You know what you know my favorite thing about about you not drinking is how often you don't talk about it. Cause I think that's become the most insufferable part of anybody who's into like the non alcoholic thing at this point. Where it's just like, I'm seventy six days sober. It's like great. At a certain point, you just got to be like, okay, I get it. And I'm excited for you. But at the same time, it's like, I don't want to hear about all the time. And then when you see, um, you know, there's obviously been a movement towards non-alcoholic, quote unquote, spirits, aka distilled water and things too. And it's just kind of like, we just got this award. We just got that award. It's like, oh my gosh, there's just, there's so much of this uh, assault of it. And it's just kind of, you know, for you, it's like, I just don't do it anymore. And and I love your attitude towards that, where it's just kind of like, I don't need to tell anybody. I'm just going to, it's going to happen naturally. And people are just going to find, oh, this doesn't drink. And that's great. I love that. I think it doesn't define who I am, right? And I don't think when I drank alcohol, it defined who I was. Um, 
even you know, I, I think I, I did an Instagram post at a year, and then even, I, even shortly thereafter, that I, I almost regretted it because I was like, why do I? Why does it matter? Like it doesn't matter. And you know, I mean, I is it something I'm proud of? Yes, but again, it, it's not. Um, it, it doesn't. It doesn't really mean that that much. You know, it's been like the best thing ever for me and my wife, and you know, our son Julius. Like I couldn't. Number one, I couldn't imagine coming home from work and being slightly buzzed or, you know, going to someone's house, you know, on a Saturday and getting drunk and trying to take care of a baby. There's zero way that I would have been able to do that. Um, so yeah, it was, you know, it's, it is what it is. That's kind of what I say. I, I think it does make, it catches people off guard and it, it, they, they want to ask questions and I, I don't know, there's really not that much to answer, I guess. Like you said, I'm just like, yeah, just, I just don't drink anymore. It is what it is. So like I was sick and tired of feeling bloated and waterlogged and yeah, dealing with any small child in a hungover state is a special level of hell. So that's yeah. uh, not, I'm, not I was, great. yeah, I was just sick and tired of, of, I don't know. I just, I guess I was just tired of it. I didn't, it didn't, it wasn't doing me any favors anymore. You know, I, I worked in the restaurant business for 15 years. I did plenty of drinking and, and sometimes it was fine and sometimes it was not fine. And so now I just don't have any, I don't have to worry about that anymore. And that's, that's kind of a nice thing. Do I ever miss it? Like I've said to Megan before, I'm like, would it be nice to like, when we go to Hawaii, you'd have one cocktail? Sure. But then I'm like, what's the point of me having one cocktail? Like, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't know. So yeah, that's it. I don't drink. Move on, Drew. Stop asking about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Let's talk about, let's talk about like the family owned business that you're working for. Um, so <laughs> that's a funny way of describing it, isn't it? Um, yeah. uh, so about a year ago, um, you know, I'd worked for JJ Fister for almost four years and, 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 you know, did lots of things there, had lots of people working with me there and, and met lots of really good people who I've stayed in contact with like you guys. Um, and it was great. And I was never, I've never been one of those guys that's always looking for something else. But to be honest, 2021, we lost a lot of salespeople. That was, what do they call it? The great resignation. We had lots of people coming and going and, and it was, I wasn't really looking, but I was, you know, thinking. And um, a really good friend of mine, Walter, who works for Heaven Hill now up in Washington, he he sent this link to this job that I have. And he said, you should, this reports to, you know, to so-and-so it's a guy who I work for now who I've known for a long time and I was like yeah I don't know southern like like I mean it was just like not something I ever even thought about and then when he and I started talking and um I started hearing more about it and you know went through the interview process and doing everything and honestly I I I was still somewhat on the fence um you know, after just thinking about where I was and I had a good thing going on and I was in the process of building something and I had all these high hopes. Um, but once it was all laid out in front of me and I, I know a lot of people at Southern, that some of my really close friends work for Southern, I would have been stupid to say no. And in hindsight, um, I would have probably never, never lived it down had I said no. It's been a tremendous uh, shift in my life career-wise, even personally. I've made a lot of great friends. Um, I go places now and people actually want to talk to me, which is a total, you know, 180 from, from being the little guy. Um, <laughs> but I also don't feel like I'm, you know, I don't feel like I'm not the little guy. I, I, I still, 
I still am building relationships. I'm still selling, you know, cool shit when people want to buy cool shit. Um, it's been really great. I, and I, I don't know. I mean, this may sound crazy, but like, I, I don't ever need to or want to work anywhere else. It's been amazing. It's really been like a, a total shift in my life. It's been amazing. So one of the things that we were talking about before, you know, Southern is the biggest distributor in the United States. Um, North America, actually. North America. So Jesus, even bigger. Um, <laughs> how many, how many suppliers and products do you roughly estimate that you guys have? I think I heard 498 suppliers the other day, which is a lot. Um, I think as far as products or SKUs go, it, I would, I think it's somewhere 40 to 60,000. I mean, it's a lot, you know, do I, um, you want to explain all for our listeners what a supplier is specific, like just generally. Sure. So like, you know, I worked for JJ Fister distilling. We were a, a family owned distillery with, you know, four items being distributed through a distributor. They were RNDC. Um, we were the supplier. They were the distributor. That's part of the three tier system. And then, you know, bodega is the, is the account is, is the retailer or good bottle is the retailer there. Shameless plug for you. Um, so <laughs> we have, you know, appreciate it. someone, someone has to, <laughs> um, so yeah, about 500 suppliers, you know, wine and spirits. Um, and a lot, a lot of products, a lot of products, a lot of products that, you know, it's, it's, it really does happen where I'm like, is that us? People ask a question. I'm like, I don't know if that's us. And you punch it in. It's like, oh, that is us. Okay. There's been, there's been a few times. So like for scale wise, you know, being at JVS, we're obviously a very, very small distributor and we have about 800 items compared to your 40,000, just to give people an idea of, of how big Southern really is. And, and, you know, we use some different programs and stuff like that, where people often reach out to me to find out where items are at. Right. Cause I always have the weirder stuff and things like that and, and have gotten pretty good at kind of finding them quickly. Um, and one of the tools for that is 750, which is an online catalog that a lot of, a lot of, um, distributors use with the exception of Southern Southern does not use it. Um, no. so I always say, it's like, if I can't find it in that system, Southern probably has it. And I know I've had multiple situations where I've sat down with Southern reps. And I'm like, Hey, can you pull this up for this account? They're like, Oh, I don't have that. I'm like, I can assure you, you guys definitely have it. You know, they just have to look in the right book and the right portfolio underneath the right tab. And it's like, Oh yeah, you're right. There it is. I'm like, I know it's like, well, you have 40,000 freaking items. Of course you can't find it. You know? Yeah. I mean, you said you guys have 800 items in your book. We have suppliers that have that many. Right. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy, but it's also, you know, the, everyone keeps telling me it's going to be, you know, 12 to 18 months where you really kind of get your feet underneath you. And, and it's true. You know, I'm still learning obviously a lot um, about the company and about the book and just about how everything works. But um, you know, it's been really great. It's been pretty amazing. Oh, that's awesome. I feel man. very well, blessed. <laughs> Not one of those people that says that very blessed. Bless up. Bless up. Well, like you said, I mean, I think the, the just the change in conversation where, you know, where you, you walk into a place and they're like, oh yeah, no, no, no. Like we, like we need your stuff. It's not even necessarily a want. It's kind of like we have to carry some of these items because they are so essential to bar programs, you know? So, I mean, that's gotta be, that's gotta be a good, a good feeling. And with that said, I think we need to talk about 
the three essential movies of the alcohol industry <laughs> that have come out over the last 20 years. Hit it, Chris. I didn't know where he was going to go with that sound drop, but I knew that he wanted to do something. So, sorry. So, basically, what this conversation is going to be is because John introduced the best podcast in the world to me um, that's not called the Good Bottle Podcast. I wanted to talk about movies without stepping on the toes of the rewatchables. So we have three movies that we've identified as having like just like a major impact, not only on our industry, but on consumers as well. And we just want to talk a little bit about each one. Um, Hopefully at least a few of our listeners have seen these movies. If you haven't seen them, hopefully you will turn around and go and watch them immediately. So with that being said, I think that we should actually start with the documentary. Do we have any objections to that or are we good? No. Okay. So the documentary that we want to start with is um, is called Psalm. This was a 2012 uh, documentary that was made by Jason Wise. Uh, it was following the journey of four different aspiring master psalms and the process that they had to go through in order to get and achieve uh, the the level of master psalm by passing a test with the Somalia court. Uh, so with that kind of going, setting, setting tone for you, John, what is your favorite part of this movie? I mean, I don't have a favorite part in the sense of like a favorite scene. I would say my favorite part of the movie. Um, I always tell people that what I miss most about being in the restaurant business, being in the hospitality industry is just that, that kind that just that feeling of being in that world. And I, I do remember, it's been a while since I've seen this. I do remember, getting that feeling from that that film which was um i don't know being in it i guess and i think that people who don't who haven't been in it wouldn't really understand what it's like being in it but um being in that world being in that kind of fast-paced uh you know short-lived you know every day is kind of a different day don't take your work home with you i mean this is different but i think the aspect of them uh you know touching on their lives and careers and, and hospitality, which most of them were from what I remember. Um, I think that was kind of the, what, what resonated with me the most and what I still remember about it the most. Yeah. Um, beyond that, you know, me being someone who's trying to learn more about wine every day, um, you know, the whole theory aspect of, of the three-part exam, you know, service blind tasting theory, I think it is. Um, that was always just like, kind of mind-boggling to me and how is that possible to remember that much information about something like that but um so yeah those are probably my, my two biggest takeaways from the from the film um chris what about for you uh i think that it 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 showed a, a very specific spotlight on a very specific part of our industry but it it definitely alluded to having having branches and arms that extended to more of the industry, right? Like in 
in the movie, you get a very, very specific sense that um, it's not, you know, while th- it's these four sommeliers who are undergoing this exam, who are studying, they're in it, they're talking shit to each other, there's a lot of stress, there's some really bad shattering glass motifs that happen throughout the movie for some reason. Um, but they they really dive into the emotion and this sense of wonder and um, passion that that these people have for something so specific as just wine you know it's wine wine is thousands of years old it's something that has touched so many people's lives and even you and I drew when you know you've come you've come so far in our time together to understanding wine thank you I no longer just decant in my belly not just uh i mean i still do that but i also decant in a decanter uh you know it's it 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 was able to take this handful of essentially glorified servers right and and show a spotlight onto a very significant and specialized part of the service industry that very few people knew about prior to this. Very few people had an understanding of, you know, I mean, even to, to this day, you know, people still talk about, you know, Oh, Psalms. I saw this YouTube where, where they took three Psalms and they couldn't, they couldn't identify shitty wine or like, you know, whatever, if it was passed through a Brita filter or whatever YouTube fucking video it was, you know, like this, this movie changed the landscape for people's understanding of the service industry. And I I think that was pretty special. Yeah. Um, You know, for me, it's a little bit more of a, like more of like a personal antidote and what I ended up loving so much about it. So, you know, as, as they go through this movie, I mean, there's multiple times where these guys are just, they got all these bottles on this table and they're just spending countless hours and countless, you know, count like just a ton of money on buying different things. Right. And I sat there and I watched it with my wife, Caitlin, though, the first time. And I think it finally gave her a really deep appreciation for a little bit more of how I approach the industry. So, like, you know, I certainly can't do um, any of the things that these guys were doing when it comes to wine. But, like, that's always been my approach when it came to, like, rum and agave and all that stuff. And I think it kind of gave her some insight into how, okay, my husband's not the only one who's obsessed with this stuff, you know. And again, to kind of touch back on a point that, you know, we mentioned earlier, John, it's like for so many people, restaurants, drinking, bars are an escape for us. Like this really is all encompassing. And, you know, we know people like the four guys depicted in this movie and we've seen them go through this process and stuff like that. I mean, for, for all intents and purposes, I mean, the three of us are the four guys in this, in this movie, you know, I mean, I mean, we might not have exams in front of us, but uh, the amount of studying that has happened between us three collectively, you know, might not be about wine, but shit. It's like, a, yeah, it's, you know. it's definitely that, right? Like, I mean, I, I got a call from another former guest in front of ours, Brian Lee today, and he had questions about Chironda 
you know, and we sat there and talked for like 15, 20 minutes just about the nuances of Chironda and why it's different. And, you know, and then kind of got into some of the nuances of rum and, you know, eventually you know, that that's a conversation that can go on forever. Right. And I think that's just something that it was, it was cool that there was this movie that really kind of gave this insight into this really unhealthy obsession that all of us have, have had, will continue to have, you know, moving forward. Um, and so it was like, you know, just shining that spotlight uh, on that. Okay. So with that said, now let's talk about, um, cause we kind of covered, covered two of the, two of the parts of this. Cause it was like, you know, positive impact and favorite part. Uh, John, what was your least favorite part? What do you think some of the negative fallout from a movie like this is? Uh, besides just Googling what Toronto was. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, I, I mean, I guess the, the, the low-hanging fruit answer to that question, the negative fallout is obviously, you know, the big kind of like uh, Me Too or whatever harassment, misogyny, you know, uh, all the the court of master psalms uh just all the big fallout of all of, of all that kind of uh so what am i trying to say what's the word i'm looking for uh controversy i guess the reper- repercussions pro- repercussions or you know incident multiple incidences many incidents. many, many incidents side and again i don't know enough about the of the three movies we're doing i don't know enough about this one just because it's been a while since i've seen it but i would say that's probably the, the first thing that comes to mind as far as the negative fallout. I mean, I think that there's, you know, I deal with a number of Psalms and there's a few, one in particular who's become a good friend of mine, who's like the most gracious, warm, uh, understanding and and nice, not threatening and not, you know, dropping knowledge bombs on me all the time in a way that makes me feel stupid. His name's Micah Clark. He's the Psalm and wine director at uh, Charter Oak in Meadowood. He's one of my favorite people. Um, He doesn't make me feel like I'm stupid when he talks about wine. And I think that there is a negative connotation sometimes with that world of them being maybe a little bit, uh, you know, hoity-toity, a little bit maybe over-informed and over-informative. I like to use that that those two together because I think they they go together. Um, do you think that that's a that's, Do you think that that's a generational um, uh, characteristic? Like, do you think maybe do you think it's like older psalms? You know, I mean, there were there, just like there are older chefs who were insanely toxic and, you know, sure. belligerent and the culture in back of house has changed. Do you do you think that that's, you know, this movie Psalm came out 10 years ago? There's so much that's happened in the last 10 years, culturally, politically, technologically, fucking whatever. Right. Do you, and the guys who were already masters when this movie came out are the, are some of the ones that, you know, were, were accused of sexual harassment. You know, the first 10 minutes of this movie, you don't see a single woman except for, you know, a wife and a girlfriend. Uh, and that doesn't even have to do with the, you know, the women who are actually studying to become the master Psalms who are actively part of this group. Right. Um, do you, do you think that's, sort of a generation thing do you you think you know because because there are there are psalms here in sacramento who are just exactly as you're saying you know the the loveliest warmest most hospitable people who are just excited about sharing their passion for wine you know it's not a 
hoity-toity thing. And I don't know, and I think probably personally for me, I, I don't know because my experience is so limited in the wine world if it's just due to them or if the culture shifted somewhere after the last 10 years to maybe have like this grand awakening for everybody who was interested in it to like not want to fall into that realm. I, I think there's, I think there's probably definitely people who are kind of like your bad actors and stuff. And it's impossible not to watch this movie and think about everything that's happened with the master court of sommeliers over the past three years and just the major shakeups and just kind of the inherent, um, you know, just everything. That, I mean, even like Dylan in this movie didn't pass the test and he was a young black psalm. He has gone on to pass the test, but at the, during the, the filming of this one, he did not. Um, you know, it, so there's he was, just a lot of, he was the only one of the three who didn't No, or no, one of the four, right? Well, cause Ian also didn't pass it the first oh, time. He right. passed it a year later. Um, and, and speaking of him, I actually met him less than a year ago and uh and i gotta tell you the guy was awesome like he was so cool and very down to earth um and it was funny because the whole time i'm looking at him i'm like i know this guy like why do i know this guy and then eventually it hit me and i was like oh he was in psalm and then i introduced myself and stuff like that and he's been great and i you know i still talk to him now um so i do think that there's been uh and in my personal experiences i've tried to learn about wine and, and I'm taking this from another friend of mine who I think he's level two or three, but he was like, I think the mindset now is we want to widen the table for wine, not raise the walls. And, mm. and I think a lot of people who are into wine are trying to do that now because of so much negativity towards it for so long and how it's not under postal spirit when at the end of the day, it is an agricultural product. Right. Do you think and, do you think any of that was maybe a backlash or maybe a pendulum swing, maybe not specifically directed at a movie like this, like some or if we take or if we take this movie and then and one of the next movies that we're going to talk about and we, we sort of pair those together. Right. There's definitely a snobby persona that is that is attached to the wine industry. Do you think it's sort of a backlash to that or or just a pendulum swing. Like it's just a natural cause of, you know, society just going, okay, we've done this. Now let's go this way. Now we're going to go that way. Well, I think it's, I think it's just the, it's an information thing. You know, you look at where we were at as a society 25 years ago and not everybody just had endless information at your fingertips. It's just kind of like, Oh, I want to look up the varieties that exist in the Rhone Valley. Like, boom. I just Googled it. I'm, I'm just as smart as a fucking level three master Psalm now. Right. Like I can read off all these things instantaneously. And I think that because of that, people have to kind of come down off that high horse a bit. And of course there's always going to be your old guard and there's going to be people are going to be, you know, who are going to treat it differently. But I think the, the fact that there is so much information available and everybody can be kind of an instant expert, that you need to find ways to make it more approachable. And you, and like, as I said, like you widen that table and get more people coming in and, and trying to get rid of the, the hoity toitiness and, and the um, stuff. I mean, I, I feel like through, through my personal journey, especially in a place like Napa, which you would think, and there are places that are still very snobbish about stuff, but for the most part, you know, like some of my favorite 
bars in in Napa now are wine bars and they're just fun. I know we've talked about them before, but a place like Cadet in downtown Napa, like, holy shit. I can't believe how much fun those people are having literally every day, you know? Um, And then you go into places like Sacramento, whether it's Rochambeau or Good News Wine or Nico's, like they're doing things that are fun, that feel different from every other wine bar that we've had before. So I think, um, I mean, I know I've talked with Bennett about it at Good News Wine. It's like their whole motif is a diner. He wanted people to feel welcome because everyone is familiar with a diner setting, right? So I just think that like that mentality exists a lot more in in hospitality is back on the forefront, you know, and people want to, no, 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 come and drink wine. It's not, it's not too much. I do think that the culture has changed and that it's not as maybe old guard, like you said, you know, people are a little bit different, but I also, and I, I, I don't think I really run into those people as much partially because of that, but partially, I think I'm also probably at a point different to where I was maybe 10 years ago when this came out to where I probably am not intimidated by someone like that. Like I would have been as a, you know, 31 year old who didn't really know much about the industry. Um, I don't know. I just, I I think that there's a different mentality too of of acceptance and understanding um, of, of, of where someone's been, what they've done, how, you know, what they've had to do to get there. And I think that that goes both ways in a situation like this. I think that uh, I deal with a lot of, of wine directors and Psalms and 99% of them are really great people. Um, and, you know, the, the rest of them, it, it, you know, nobody's perfect type situation. Okay, well, let's take that conversation. Let's move on to our second movie. So our second movie um, is is called Sideways. And Sideways is a 2004 American comedy drama uh, film that came out directed by Alexander Payne that uh, starred Paul Giamatti and Thomas Hayden Church. Uh, This is a movie about two guys who are um, going through the Santa Barbara uh, County wine country to celebrate the character Jack's upcoming wedding. Uh, Paul Giamatti plays a teacher who's also very into wine and kind of wine snobbish. Um, I watched this movie for the first time in a while, probably about a month ago. And so I was really excited to to talk about it. Um, I will say this just to kind of kick things off. I forgot, or maybe I just was oblivious to the fact, but like these guys are fucking dirtbags. And they are like, the way I see it now is so much different from when I saw it as a much younger individual. But I just, I just remember sitting there and being like, I I don't know if I can ever watch this movie again, because like the worst, these guys are so terrible. Um, And it, you know, the reason that it's an impactful movie, which we'll get into in a second, but it is, it still impacted our, our industry. So, um, even though like these guys are, are absolutely, absolutely awful. Um, also sort of the point, right? Like, I mean, they definitely play on exactly what we were talking about that, you know, while, while Psalm is a documentary, this is, this is a work of fiction and, and they play into certain archetypes and certain, uh, uh, personality types that would be drawn into, into this world. Does it, well, let me ask you this: Like, but when you watch when you watch a movie like Psalm, or when you watch a movie like Sideways, 
does it does it make you want to drink wine or or just just are you just rolling your eyes the whole time at at the way Paul Giamatti like treats people and treats wine and stuff like that? That is such a layered question, and actually, You're the welcome. way that we the way that we've set up this, <laughs> the way that we're talking about this, actually encompasses my my reaction to all that. So then, okay, so John, let me shift it to you then. Let's let's let Chris work through these layers. Okay. Favorite part of this movie? Like a stinky onion. Um, my favorite part of this movie. I saw this movie in the theaters. I remember, uh, and I've I've probably seen this. I would say at least a half dozen times, number of times. Um, I think my favorite part of the movie is when they go back to Stephanie's house, which is uh, Sandra O's house, and they're looking through the the wine fridge, and he she, he pulls out a Rigebor, and you know she everyone gets excited and. And then Miles and what's her name? Maya? Is that what her name is? Maya? I yeah. Think it is. Maya. Um, yep. They go in the kitchen and they kind of talk about like, you know, what got them into wine. Uh, and then he talks about his, what is it? His Cheval Blanc and the, the, the line that she uses is, or he says, I'm, I'm waiting for the, the a special occasion. And she says, well, the special occasion is the day that you open it. And that's kind of, I think my favorite line of that movie. And then later on, we obviously see him, he's sitting in a, fast food restaurant drinking it out of a styrofoam cup and that's the the special occasion is when you open it it's not opening it for a special occasion you know me being someone who is is very into vintage spirits and obviously hoarding them but i always think about you know like well hey you know if if i was ever to gift one of these to someone you know that's that's what's special about it to me is giving it to someone and letting them open it maybe me trying a little bit but that's my most positive takeaway from the film uh chris what about you i'm actually right there with john too that was uh that scene um where it's miles and maya alone in the kitchen over a bottle of wine all pretension is lost they're they're both slightly emotionally uncomfortable trying to get to know each other but it's this wine that's in their glass that allows them to sort of segue into away from being uh or at least miles away from being an intellectual into being more emotional and being more present in the moment and actually like enjoying himself. And we as viewers get to step away from going, fuck this guy's an asshole. And they're just like, these two characters are just the worst human beings. Like don't want to be around them. Don't want to have anything to do with them. We know people like that, that we want to actively cut out of our lives. They're the worst. I mean, even uh, the whole way up to this scene, they're going through wineries, they're doing tastings, they're at restaurants, and all the uh, uh, the other part of my other favorite part is, you know, the only it's just Miles doing doing all the like the tasting notes and everything about it and like how to drink. All the service people, like the whether the people who work the wine or the or the bartenders or the servers at the restaurant, are just like cool. Do you like it? <laughs> you know, like the entire time they're just like, they just sit there like, yeah, cool, cool, cool. So you want a glass? <laughs> and he's just there like, Oh, you got to smell it. You got to smell it. You drink it. Okay. Now sip it. All right. And he's just, he's just pretentious. That moment though, we cut away from all of that. And it's just two people in a kitchen drinking a dope bottle of wine. 
hands down my favorite scene in the entire movie. Yeah, it definitely definitely lends itself to that. And I think it's important, like, you know, you you gotta the reason that they're kind of dirtbags is, you know, the, the way that the way that Miles treats people, um, the fact that Jack is is trying to, you know, get a couple rocks off before he gets married and settles down. Like it's just, you know, for me, I can't stand that stuff. And so that's why I end up uh not not enjoying it as as much now as maybe I did when I was younger. Um uh, will say, I'm, I'm going to add one more thing in there. Okay. Um, uh, not so much having to do with the movie, but sort of like counter to the movie. Uh, it was that Hitching Post Pinot Noir became like this massive success of a of a wine after this movie. You know, ten years later, this wine or this wine from this restaurant is still crushing it. Like it's prolific. It's almost twenty years now. That's the thing. Everybody that's knows it. Twenty. Oh, twenty years. I apologize. You're right. Uh, Psalm was it's almost 10 twenty years. years. Almost twenty yeah. years. It's eighteen years since the, since this movie was released. It's it's incredible. Uh, so the Hitch, Hitching Post Pinot Noir is still super fucking prolific. So you the thing, so many restaurants. Yeah, the thing that that you know, in terms of like actual measurable impact, um, Pinot Noir in the year following the release of of Sideways uh, saw a sixteen percent increase in sales over the previous year. Um, another great varietal which was Merlot actually saw a 2% decrease because at one point, Paul Giamatti's character actually openly rips Merlot and is screaming at the tasting bar about being served Merlot. And it actually affected sales. It affected its uh, growth as well. Uh, Merlot has since bounced back. And oddly enough, that wine bottle that he was sharing one of the, it was a blend and one of the grapes in that blend is Merlot. So it's kind of silly that he would be so anti it, even though he consumes it at the end, it's one of his bottles, but, but yeah, that's where this movie had a very real impact on, you know, just, just on wine in general uh, and on, and on the industry. And I think because, you know, this at the time, you know, this movie made over a hundred million dollars, right? which is insane to think about just in tape, like, you know, the types of movies that get made today and whatnot, like this, you know, comedy starring Paul Giamatti, the looker that he is, it's you know, much it, like an indie flick at that point in time. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you know, it had a big director behind it, but you know, it was, but still, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a movie that you didn't really think was, would, would do numbers like that. But I also think that, Hey, maybe that's, you know, when you look at a character like, Paul Giamatti's Miles, who is making it seem like, oh, if you go wine tasting, you have to act like this guy. Like, I don't think I can do that, you know? So maybe that's part of, you know, reinforcing some of those stereotypes and things like that. Now, one of the other questions that we did have was like, who should star in the sequel? So if we were to make the 2022 version of Sideways, um, is there anybody that comes to mind for either of you that you're kind of like, you know who we should put in this, this guy? I'll let you take that one, Chris. I did oh. curveball you just threw me. <laughs> oh no, 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 no. I, I got this one. Um, I, and not because of any particular character. Um, but I, because I think, feel like he has the pomposity to be able to play such a arrogant prick. 
that would fall into this. You know, maybe he maybe he works at a winery or maybe he's like the son of a winemaker who grew up as like a, you know, filthy rich and pretends to love wine. But I, I would say um, uh, Timothy, uh, Timothy Chalamet. Charlemagne. Yes, <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. Of course, you'd have to do it. You'd have to do it as natural wine. Like that it would, would have be, to. It would have to be. That would be wine. the rub. Yeah, 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 yeah. It would have to be natural wine. Um, Which you know, natty wine, natty wine doesn't necessarily deserve to have have uh, the the economic impact from a movie like that. But uh, but you could totally think, see him asking be, like what the great. sulfite content was, right? Like how much sulfites yep. do you yeah. you know are you using in this? Um, Okay. Yeah. The fact no, that I you was... guys don't know the fact that you guys don't know that his name is Timote is very upsetting. <laughs> is that his name? Sorry. Timote. Timote Chalamet. My wife thinks I have a crush on him. She's not wrong. <laughs> um I stand by I don't know what to do with this information to be honest with you. Um <laughs> you know, I obviously I, I had an appreciation for Dune and I really liked the Wes Anderson movie that he did. Um but outside of that, I don't have a huge. I haven't uh, seen the new Dune. I heard they made a book out of it, which I think is cool. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So, so Timote, I, we apologize. He'll definitely hear about uh, this. I, I just, I, with this new information, I just doubled down on, on my opinion. He's my dope follow. Just spoiler alert. Oh, thank God. Yeah. God Everyone check it. out that guy. <laughs> Okay, now let's move on to our third and final movie that I, I mean, this feels like one of those movies that even if you haven't sat down from start to finish, you have seen some part of this movie if you grew up in the United States, because it has just existed on cable TV in some capacity over, um, let's see, when it came out <laughs> from 1988, so 30 33 years uh, or 34 years um, this movie has been out. And that is the American romantic comedy drama cocktail starring Tom Cruise, Brian Brown, and just. And Elizabeth Shue. And that's what I was going to say. I was like, I was, I was building her up to the point of just like, be still my heart, Elizabeth Shue. I'll say that my favorite part in this movie without question is Elizabeth Shue in the waterfall. I just can't, I will, that's just, it's, I thinking about it now I have goosebumps because it's just kind of like how, I mean, obviously she was a big deal. She remains to be a big deal, but like at the time it was kind of, I was like, is this the most attractive woman on the planet right now? Like what is happening? Um, Chris, what is your favorite part of that movie? So many, so many parts of this movie are my favorite. Um, I think uh, in the beginning when he is starting off behind the bar at Fridays, which very few people realize that the move that the bar he starts off in is a TGI Fridays. Um, and he's attempting to learn how to, how to do flair and he keeps hitting himself in the head and hurting himself all the time. Uh, that's great. Um, when the cocktail waitresses are, shouting cocktail names at him and like they keep saying Cuba Libra, Cuba Libra, Cuba Libra. Yeah. 
Yeah. He's like, a fucking rum and coke? Why don't you just say so? And, you know, it's just their that way part of hazing so him. Funny. I was like, I it's so accurate. Part. It's so fucking accurate. It's so good. And it's like, it's such a great way for, like, servers to tear bartenders down and remind them they're just doing the same job as everybody else. Um, uh, there's there's a, a match trick that uh, that Tom Cruise does when he is uh, challenged by his mentor when when he's in the Bahamas uh, to pick up a wealthy woman at the bar and he goes to light her cigarette and he uh, he throws a book of matches across the bar and it lands in front of her lit with the match sticking up. Uh, I love that trick. I learned how to do that trick based on this movie uh, because of this movie. Um, it's why else would you have learned how to do that trick? <laughs> that's a good point. Um, uh, it's that there, there are so many like tiny little things about that, but that those are probably, probably my favorite. I, and, uh, and then on top of it, the impact that bartending is supposed to be fun. You know, there's a whole sort of dramedy that goes on as the plot around these, you know, this bartender and his ex- experience with a bartending mentor, but overall bartending supposed to be fun you know and that's that this pushes it through it's it's so good uh john what about you what's your favorite part um my favorite part is also you know it's like it's like my cringe worthy part much like you know people i follow on instagram because I, I i can't not follow them chris can identify with that um <laughs> towards the end often <laughs> all the time towards the end um there's the scene where he goes back in to you know basically tell her that he loves her and you know he's gonna change and do all this if you watch that scene closely it's about eight minutes long tom cruise's hair changes like five different times the color the texture the length of his hair is completely different in the same scene and i wish that you know we had the ability to you know like What's whatever the opposite of smell a vision is that people could watch the, because it's completely ridiculous, but it's also like, it's amazing. I also, you know, Tom Cruise is is such a very specific callback to like, yeah. To our first episode. Exactly. Um, (laughs) You know, that movie, the, the first time I watched that movie, I think I was really young, but the first time I watched it as an adult and probably someone who was then working in a nightclub in Santa Rosa, as a bartender and thinking that it, you know, Oh my God, this is like the coolest I'll ever be. And the coolest thing I'll ever do. Um, even watching it then it was like, Oh, this is, this is it's odd because the way, you know, there's, there's not a lot of realism in that, in that movie. Um, you know, and, and, and Chris can identify that as someone who still, you know, flips bottles around for some reason. There's not a ton of realism, but it's it's a good, you know, small town boy makes good story. Like it's a it's a it's a pretty well done movie for being such a kitschy plot, basically. Um it also like I was reading about it earlier today, it made hundred and seventy million dollars in nineteen eighty eight. And you know, obviously he's one of the he's the biggest star in the world at the time, but it's like what how, you know, would they make a, a a movie about a mixologist now that would make with Timothée Chalamet that would make one hundred and seventy million dollars? I don't know if they would. Um, I'd, I'd watch it. It's 
The answer is no, by too. the way. It's oh. they it's it's definitely it's definitely no. Like that's a Netflix oh. movie now. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. even know if it makes Still it to Netflix. Still a movie. Yeah. Still a uh, movie. It was the first time watching that movie that I'd ever heard of and I, I had I watched it much later in life. I you know, as a child of the eighties I, I hadn't seen it until I was into my bartending career. So, you know, I was probably like twenty three, twenty four. And people had then as they continue to do so now be like oh my god have you ever seen cocktail <laughs> you're like yeah the fucking movie with tom cruise but back then i hadn't seen it so uh it was the first time i'd ever heard of louis trey also um so uh no one calls uh, of it, which no one calls I've, it louis I've trey also, anymore. i've also never had ah interesting i uh, i said finally, louis I, I said louis trey in front of someone the other day and they didn't know what i was talking about what do, what do they call it? louis the 13th I think they just call it Louis Thirteenth now, or just Louis. Louis yeah, let's bring it back because Louis Trey is way better. Louis and, Trey is way better, and I and I and I have got to have it two times now, and it's been um, it's been a cognac. It's been a cognac. <laughs> Good. Good. <laughs> it's 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 been a cognac. Um, okay, so let's. Let's look at like neg- negative impact. What do you think? Uh, do you think uh, for me, I guess like the negative impact would be like, okay, I just inspired way too many people to become bartenders and live that exact same lifestyle. Just like, you know, children out of wedlock, <laughs> all kinds of crazy drugs around. <laughs> just, I don't know. What do you guys think? What are some of the negative impacts of cocktail? Yeah. I think, I think the negative impact, um, is that that's what it's really like. I mean, to be fair, the, the majority of my career, I was working in, in fine dining restaurants as a bartender and running, you know, bar programs. And I did work in some bars and, uh, and, you know, like I said, I worked in a nightclub, but I think that people thinking that that's what it was like and that it's always a party. I mean, yeah, I definitely have a good time sometimes, but it also is, it is a job. And much like what we talked about earlier, it's like, you know, what we do now, it's, it's what my job is. Yes, it's fun but it's also work. Um, and that, that movie, you know, to be fair, it, it didn't really, it didn't really go down that path. I mean, not that that would be a really exciting movie to, you know, have 20 minutes about someone doing side work or something like that, or a pre-shift meeting, but um, you know, batching cocktails. But at the same time, I think it was just, you know, like the scene in the nightclub where the guy's reading poetry and it's like a, you know, it looks like a, like it's out of, um, you know, face off where they're on the prison that's out like in the middle of the ocean. Like it looks like it's filmed in that same set. Like hands like, down, hands this? down my least favorite scene and my favorite scene all at the same time. Yeah. Like the fact Have that you seen had... this scene at the end where his hair is different? Have you seen that? No, I didn't. Um... I didn't notice. That. Uh, <laughs> uh, the fact that you have this entire nightclub, two stories uh, with like a dance floor and only one satellite bar in which you have two bartenders at who, which at some point in the night decide to like stand up on the bar and read poetry and everybody's paying attention as if that would ever fucking happen. Like that's, it's just outrageous that like, it's amazing and outrageous all at the same time. Yeah. Well, I'd remember, be like, remember. how many people are on the clock right now? That's what I would <laughs> like, you got time to do poetry. You got time to polish these glasses. Let's go. Yeah, right. I mean, that was a, it was a also, cocaine where's the bar driven back time in this situation. 
<laughs> in the back where he belongs out of you, wow. you know? Um, okay. So, so those are our three movies that you need to go check out if you haven't already. So some, well, also Som- the other worst part of this movie is the fact oh. that every time I flip a bottle, somebody still asks me if they, if I've ever seen cocktail. Well, that's well, more on you at this point. Yeah. Stop flipping. Bottles. Stop. That's not going to happen. <laughs> well, okay. So, um, Go see some, see sideways, watch cocktail again. Cause I would be shocked if you haven't heard it. If you have any other suggestions on movies that we should talk about next time that are spirits or booze uh, centric, let us know. But I think now it's time for my absolute favorite segment, which is dope follows. You know, who's dope them over there. So dope follows is our section where we tell you all the cool things that we think you should be checking out. Like it could have been the rewatchables and it will change your life. Or it can be a book, a TV show, Instagram account, Facebook group. I don't care what it is. We just think they're dope. We think that you should check them out. Chris, start us off. Who's your dope follow this week? Uh, mine is a, um, a graphic designer on Instagram uh, that goes by Digital Metal. Uh, metal being M-E-D-D-L-E. Uh and I like them a lot because they take children books and turn them profane. It's pretty fantastic. It makes me very happy. It hits a very dark part of my soul that makes me feel seen. And uh, it feels good. Love it. Love it. John, who's your life-changing um, don't follow this go around? Besides Taika Waititi and Gonzo? Besides that Yes. One? Yes, besides um, the most amazing, which they messaged me the other day and they said, thanks for sharing. I was like, you bring me happiness every day. It was great. It was a great interaction. It's like the most unsatisfying <laughs> account that I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it just only fuels me to do more. I know. That that whole thing blew up in your face. Conversely, uh, one of my favorites currently is it's called Ordinary People Memes. And it's um, it's usually just a photo, like a stock photo of like, you know, a person smiling or a person with a, a very strange look on their face. Or maybe it's a real like professional photo they pulled from a LinkedIn with just a very random um, caption, if you will. Like, you know, one of the ones I'm looking at right now is maybe a man in his 60s with a big gap in his two teeth and a suit on. And it just says, you know me, got to have my snacks. <laughs> or there's another one where it's a bald man with a just a very smug look on his face with one eyebrow raised and it says i've been tidying up all day i can't wait for you to see the new place um they're just very you know i have a very strange sense of humor and things like this they just make me feel happy inside well, you gotta find like you gotta it. find your kick somewhere you know this is this is yeah. the most john Lilly uh account i think i've ever seen in my life yeah, it's it is. <laughs> it's because it's mine. It's because uh, okay. I do it. <laughs> so I have so I have two dope follows for you. One, um, I'm gonna start you out with an Instagram account, and it's called Agave Van Gogh. Uh, and this is a digital creator that just does like all kinds of agave related um, images and T-shirts and things like that. I just really really dig the stuff that they're that they're making. 
uh, or that you know this person's making. And I definitely think that people should check it out. This is someone eventually I want to work with because I just really, really dig uh, the stuff that they're doing. And then the other thing that I want to recommend to people, and I just finished it, is um, the book Taste by Stanley Tucci. It basically goes through his life and his relationship with food and how it's evolved and been just a part of it throughout his entire upbringing. Um, and it's just really well done and it's funny. And um, I think I think everyone definitely has an appreciation for, for that guy. And um, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Big Night, but it's about a restaurant opening mm, and stuff like that, movie. which... Which it's I have movie. never seen, great so movie. I need to go check it out. So we talked about so much movies tonight, but that's obviously a little more restaurant focused. But his his book again called Taste is is really really good. Um, I tore through it in just in a few days. Uh, really easy read. Loved it. Everyone should go read it. So uh, I think I have one more, and I think it's a good way. You know, especially because we're associating this with the rewatchables, which which Bill Simmons has an obsession with the Michael Mann film Heat. Um, they've done it. They've done three episodes of Heat. They did Heat, Reheat, and Three Heat. Um, Michael Mann wrote a book called Heat Two that is a sequel. It's a prequel and a sequel to the film Heat, starring Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Val Kilmer. One of my favorite movies. I've probably seen it thirty times. And I'm about three quarters of the way through that book. To be fair, my wife made fun of me that I ordered the large print edition by accident on Amazon. So it's like eight hundred. <laughs> It's like 800 pages with like seven words on each page. So I'm like, I've read 150 pages tonight. And she's like, it's like two chapters. Um, does it, what does that it's say a great about, book. is that like, is it cause like their target audience, like they're definitely skewing older at this point. Oh yeah. But it's a, it's so good. It's actually, it's really, really good. And uh, picturing, you know, the, those actual characters as you're reading this book, cause like I said, it takes place before and after the events of the film. Um, I can't recommend it enough. Look at me recommending a book. I love it. Well, you know, it's funny. And I just got the notification for the new rewatchables this week as well. So uh, it was meant to be, it was meant to be that we were talking about it right now. They're doing cruising this week. Oh, so, finally. They've been yeah. talking about that. Yeah. So I've never, cruising. I've never seen that movie. So I guess I have to watch it. I know that's, but I think that's like one of the best things about that. Like um, that, that show, the rewatchables, and I guess we're going to do more, uh don't follows but there was a a finance movie that they did a couple months ago that i went margin call yeah margin call dude what an amazing movie that i had no idea existed and because of this podcast i went and like i immediately watched margin call and i just was like holy shit and i recommended it to like three people and they're like this movie is amazing i'm like i know it's insane so uh so yeah check out that one as well but you know what those are some pretty dope follows The music for the Good Bottle Podcast is brought to you by the brothers Moore. That would be Leon and Chase. If you've liked tonight's episode, today's episode, today's episode, we ask that if you've enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, leave a dope review, smash that like button, and Tell your mamas, tell your friends, tell your sisters, tell your cousins, tell everyone. They can all come. 
You can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at the Go Bottle Podcast or on our personal crowd accounts. Chris is at Chris Sinflair. I'm at D Garrison Six. John, where can they find you on social media? Is it even worth looking you up? It's not really worth it. It's <laughs> pictures of pictures of old booze and my baby and my wife. Uh, what is it? Jo- uh, at John underscore Lily I L L E Y. It's a private account, so you can request it. And if you have, you know, if you have like dope spirit requests in the Napa area, make sure to reach out to your Southern rep and get the special key account <laughs> manager, Mr. John Lilly. As for the Lilly is is all we're going to say if uh, if you're in that area. Happy to help. If you would like for us to cover a story or follow John Lilly around on uh, multiple key account visits, uh, please email us at goodbottlepodcast at gmail.com. And as a reminder, you should go check out thegoodbottleshop.com and buy some bottles and do all kinds of different things and just interact with us. Tell us your, again, tell us your favorite booze movie so we can talk yeah. about it in the future. And, and we'll come do. down to Bodega and drink cocktails with us. Well, That'd we should great. do that. Well, that we'll make that our new tag because we don't want to send people to your crappy website anymore. We want people to go drink at Bodega Fuck and eat you. some delicious food. Beautiful the new top food. 50 restaurant in Sacramento. It's in the top 50. I don't think you're allowed to, I don't think right. you're allowed to say that yet. It hasn't been. Spoiler. Published. It was like, it was teased. <laughs> Spoiler. All right. Well, hey, good job, guys. Cheers. It's the only time Drew tells me a guy did a good job after we get done yeah. with this show. It's probably the only time you ever do a good job. Fuck facts on facts. Am I even your friends? <laughs> That's not true. That was fun. <laughs>